This is Hamin. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Be sure to vote now. It's too late. Just go drop it off. Go it's early. Not vote. Don't don't say, it's not too late. It's too <laughs> don't late. It's too late. Don't vote Tuesday. Fine. Don't put it in the mail. <laughs> Got you. Don't put it in the mail. Don't put it in the mail. Oh my God. I'm so stressed and I'm so tired and I'm so stressed. I know. One more week uh, of crazy. Uh, um, there's a million things to talk about, but since this just popped up, I figured we would start with this. I want to read you a tweet and I want to get your reaction to it. This is from a guy named Jesse Sumter, who you haven't heard of. He's a uh, low-level staffer, but he's a staffer at a very conservative church that is run by Doug Wilson, who happens to be one of those guys who said, I don't care about COVID. Let's have a thousand people inside of our church in Idaho. Uh, That was like months and months ago. Jesse works there. Here's what Jesse tweeted. A friendly reminder, uh, brothers, a friendly reminder for elections. Make sure your wife votes exactly as you do. He continues. Uh, He continued after that got some responses. I'm serious about this. The husband is responsible for how his wife votes. He should not be abusive or a jerk about this, and he should seek counsel from his wife on elections. But at the end of the day, he is responsible. A few reasons. Oh, Okay. Clearly, he's gotten pushback, so now he's trying to justify the whole. Sure, sure, sure. he's backed into a corner. Yeah, a few reasons. They should be united in voting. The husband makes sure this happens. If they vote differently, they cancel each other out. If they vote differently, the husband leaves his wife unprotected. If the husband won't vote for a guy, why would he let his wife do it? I'll stop there. It's a longer thread, but you get the gist. I do. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. (laughs) So, I don't know. Like, what, what, why, what, I don't, I can't. Did you know your husband controls your vote? I did not, which is funny because I've been politically active far longer than my husband, and I would argue that I have probably shaped his votes more than the other way around, I would say. Yeah, there, uh, would say. there was a interesting response from one uh, Christian fellow we talked about last week, uh, Nap Nasworth, who left Christianity Today, uh, Christian Post, after they became like a pro-Trump uh, news organization. Mm-hmm. But he wrote back, hi, Jesse, here's a foolproof way to make sure you and your wife vote the same way. One, ask your wife who she's voting for. Two, vote how she's voting. I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah. And man. there's a lot of a lot of responses of just saying like the tone and the method in which you're basically saying you control your wife's vote is a form of control. It is a form of abuse. Like yeah. oh, absolutely. I will I will say, look, I would be shocked if myself and my wife voted different ways, but that has more to do with I thought I knew your values. I thought I knew what mattered to you. But that's a far cry. From saying like, no, 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 make sure like you're peering over her in the voting booth, which uh, is the implication here. And like making sure she's filling in the right thing. Yeah, that's it. That's very creepy. And I hate it. <laughs> My favorite part about this is he posted this like a day or two ago. And he's gotten so much backlash that he decided the best thing to do would not be delete the tweet. It would be, let me write a longer, you know, more nuanced explanation of what I'm saying. And he offered a scenario in which 
you guys voted differently. Mm-hmm. And here is his nightmare scenario. Oh, okay. So this okay. is the worst case. Worst case. You, as the husband, vote third party and your wife votes for Trump. Clearly, just like the families we know. Um, but your wife votes for Trump. At the next get together, people are talking about who they voted for. You say third party and your wife says Trump. All eyes turn to her and ask her, why did you vote for Trump? Defend that position. And there you are as the guy left to drink punch alone in the corner while your wife tries to fend off the accusations. Is it, it is foolishness on the husband's part to leave his wife vulnerable. Wow, that's a real specific scenario, huh? <laughs> yes. Punch really and everything. Is, is it mm-hmm. do you legally have to have punch if you've abandoned your wife to your monster friends? I don't get invited to parties, so I don't know what this is like. No, I haven't but invited you to any of my My favorite part about that is she clearly has the wherewithal to say, I'm voting for this guy, and I'll leave judgment aside on that for a second. She knows why she's voting for Trump. The implication here is that how is she ever going to defend herself? Self. <laughs> like, how can she ever explain her own vote that she thought about? Well, what you don't understand, Hammond, is that women are idiots. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that we need our handheld for every little conversation that we've ever. <laughs> I love that. He, I love that he also can't. Like, in addition to being like a controlling, abusive monster, I love that he cannot fathom a scenario in which he. His wife thinks differently than him. And if somebody questions her on it, he can't say anything. Like he can't see any values in any other decisions besides his own. And he won't. Like, and also, she's, I mean, look, you all know how I feel about Trump, but I, she's at least the one voting for him. I kind of understand that. He's the idiot voting for a third party this year. Who's the dumb one in this relationship? Right, right. right. Come on now. <laughs> oh, By the way, gosh. we talked about this during the Republican National Convention months ago because at the time there was the anti-abortion activist, Abby Johnson, who was one of the speakers at the convention. And before she gave her speech that night, people were like, here's a tweet this speaker made not that long ago where she said, and I'm quoting here, in a godly household, the husband would get the final say because she believed all households should get one vote and the husband should make it. That's the utopia she wants to live in. I just don't understand why there's this like obsession (laughs) with how, with like a spouses presenting a united front, which whatever, that's a, a different, a different concept for another day. But like, why are they so obsessed with this idea of like, only one person in a household can vote or like we should limit the number of votes. Like voting is a heady responsibility that only a few people should be able to do. And that should be determined by whether or not you have a penis. (laughs) I I think what it is, is there's a lot of men, conservative Christian men who are obviously pro Trump and they're worried that some of their wives are like, I just can't bring myself to vote for this guy. And they're trying to keep them in check. And so this is one way to do it. Control how she votes. She Don't let her vote for Biden or a mm, third can party you or not vote for Trump. Like that's a missing ballot right there for them. And so they're just like going because if it was 
the other way around and they were providing the conservative votes like, oh, sure, let th- they have their own minds. Let them do it. Yeah. But obviously it's like, no, it's two votes for Trump in the back, like already there. But there's a chance some women may not do it. By the way, I have seen a couple of stories from Christian writers, uh, journalists who are saying there are some women who are like, don't worry, I told my husband I'm voting for Trump. But secretly, I'm doing the other thing because they're like, I just can't tell him what I'm doing, which is a whole different issue and another problem. But they're like at least a handful of these women, Christian women who are like, I just will lie to my husband, but I'll secretly vote for Biden. That's healthy. healthy. I have a question. Do you think they have these same conversations during primary season? I like, who are you going to vote for in the (laughs) room? She's like, who are they going to vote for in the Republican primary? Like, I mean, is this only a like uh, Democrat versus Republican situation? Yeah, I kind of wonder what they do during the primaries if they make like you have to vote for Trump and you can't vote for a Republican alternative or if it's like now that the contrast is truly stark, you have to vote for the more conservative option. I don't know. Um, I guess we can ask him or ask their wives what they think. I don't know. But <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I also am really kind of like sticking on this. If you two vote for somebody different, your votes cancel each other out. That's not really how votes work. I mean, that's <laughs> also how that's how every election is. Everyone's vote cancels everyone else's vote yeah. out in a sense, or they're all counted and one gets more. I mean, yeah, that's what voting is, Hammond. You just yeah. you just explain voting back to me. Like, yeah, I don't know what like they cancel each other out. Then tell you what, Trump voter, just stay home. It's not worth it. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I, we don't need your down ballot votes either. Just stay home. Why bother? I, I was slightly disappointed to see that election day is supposed to be very nice. <laughs> I saw that too. I, I, I have I have definitely checked the weather for next week more than once. Well, and of course we've had like the gloomiest <laughs> two weeks in Chicago, which has been like so depressing. And then election yeah. day, it's like, oh, did you want sixty degrees and sunny? Because we still have that. We still have that in our back pocket. Just it might rain. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> this Ugh. is a similar story about people uh, maybe not voting for the conservative Christian candidate. But, um, okay, get this. Uh, I don't think we've talked about him yet, so I wanted to bring him up. In North Carolina's 11th district, this is a House seat that used to be held by Mark Meadows, the Republican, who was then plucked out of that seat by Mm -hmm. Donald Trump to become Mm -hmm. his uh, chief of staff. And what a fine job he's doing. Totally. And so that seat is vacant right now. So basically, you have two newcomers Mm -hmm. fighting out for that seat. Sorry, tell me what this is again. This is North Carolina. And so the Democrat happens to be an older a military guy Mm. who's basically your standard moderate Democrat sort of person. Like Mm -hmm. nothing that special, pretty typical candidate. He's a veteran. That can't be right. I heard Democrats hate the troops. They do hate the troops. But actually, he was the chief prosecutor at Guantanamo. And here's, (laughs) but wait, but wait, but wait. His biggest thing, and this is good, he actually said, I'm resigning because I refuse to listen to what the George W. Bush administration is saying because they want me to use, quote unquote, evidence obtained through torture and waterboarding. And he's like, I'm not doing that. That's not real evidence. That's like torture evidence. So he resigned because of that. And that's his 
thing. That's his kind of claim to fame. That's why he's running. I guess he has a line, which I'm happy about, but like yeah. that line is a little further into like, like I said, torture than I'm comfortable with. If you're in a red district anywhere in the country, sure. like the AOCs of the world won't fly. You got to have the moderate Democrats yes. there. But anyway, Sorry, he's not right. even the story. The story is who the Republicans have and who won their primary and the guy who's on the ballot because he just turned 25, uh, which isn't necessarily a problem. But his name is Madison Cawthorn, and he's basically like a mini Trump. He's one of those people who clearly spent the past several years just like engorging on Breitbart and like Ben Shapiro. Like that's what he's been doing. Very young. It could be. I mean, AOC was 28 or 29 when she got elected, and I love her. Uh, So I don't care about the age so much if he was smart and like good at his job, but he's not. That's the problem. And here's the bigger issue. Like if you just said this guy is just a young, super conservative dude. Uh All right. I mean, dime a dozen at this point. Right. They exist. I know that. Here's where he starts going off the rails. I'm going to skip over some of his mini scandals where he decided to visit um, Hitler's vacation home and said, this one's been on my bucket list for a while. Um, and the time when his website made fun of a journalist that has been critical of him for saying, this guy left the world of academia, quote, to work for non-white males like Cory Booker, who aims to ruin white males running for office, unquote. And then he corrected it to say, you guys, I didn't mean to be racist like that. Anyway, I'm skipping over all that. Sorry, I don't want anyone to take my silence as anything. She has a mouth wide open on the video. My jaw was on the floor. Yes. Um, Here's the bigger issue. Because he had, like, rationalizations for everything I just told you. Well, he's racist. That's his rationalization. Yes, but he's racist in a Republican way, which is to say, don't you dare call me racist. That's mm-hmm. worse than mm-hmm. actual racism. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. there's a Christian publication called World um, that published an article over the summer that basically, this is after he won the primary, and it featured two women who said, we grew up in the same homeschooling insular environment. So like, mm-hmm. you you know each other in that environment. For sure, sure. And they said, I'm quoting from the article, the women say Cawthorn exhibited sexually or verbally aggressive behavior toward them when they were teenagers. So um, it's not like sexual assault. There's nothing criminal going on here, but it's like unethical in a sense. Uh, Basically, what they said is, in one case, he forcibly kissed them. He basically, they said no, and he still acted on it. And one of the women said on Instagram, I don't know who Madison Cawthorn is today, but I do know how threatened and belittled he made me feel six years ago. So, interesting. Six years ago, he was... 19 years old 19 uh i think she was 17 they went out and he tried to make a move on her she's like i'm not interested in that because abstinence until marriage sort of thing and he made a move on her she didn't want it she felt she didn't i mean you can guess how she felt after all that but here's the thing i'm so i know very shocked shocked the guy who's far right is also a monster with women because it's almost like the biggest education of a guy is going to be a the, the biggest indication of if a guy's going to be a monster is how he treats women. It's almost like that. I wish, oh, I wish we'd learned that lesson. God damn it. Never would have guessed. This <laughs> is all news. Now, after he graduated from high school, he attends 
Patrick Henry College. And if you are not familiar with Patrick Henry College, this place makes like Liberty University look like a party school, super (laughs) conservative, super conservative Christian. And their claim to fame at the school is that they send like a disproportionate number of their graduates into the world of politics. So like if you assess Republican staffers on Capitol Hill who work for GOP congresspeople, like Mm -hmm. way too many of them come from this one school compared to what you would expect from a college that has like 300 kids a year. You know what I mean? So that's their thing. They do politics. So of course, this guy is attending that school. That's not a big surprise. But this week, this is what shocked me. This week, 10 alums of Patrick Henry College, like one of the most conservative Christian colleges in the country, wrote an open letter signed by another 166 alums of the school saying basically, hey, conservative Christians who may go out to vote for this guy, don't do it. We are telling you we know him and he's drama. Like he's drama waiting to happen. Among the things they pointed out, They said, in addition to the two women who spoke to World Magazine, he basically kept up that reputation when he was at college. But I should mention, if you're not, uh, if you didn't see him speak at the uh, Republican National Convention, he's in a wheelchair. He had an accident when he was 18. He's in a wheelchair now. Part of his speech at the RNC was after he spoke, gave the typical conservative young white guy sort of speech. He stands up with help out of the wheelchair and is like, liberty and justice for all. Very inspiring if you're into, I don't know, Christian nationalism. But basically, they said, despite his disability, he would invite women on joy rides. They use the term joy rides in his car, where he would take women, I'm quoting from the letter, take women to secluded areas, lock the doors, and proceed to make unwanted sexual advances. If a woman said no, he would refer to them as bitches and sluts. And this is just how he acted. Um, then they say, okay, we... Slut right, huh? No. Um, that's the sexual aggressive part of hit what they didn't like. But then he turns out he's also a liar. At one point, he spoke to their school. I know, shocking. He spoke to their school at like one of those mandatory convocation-like things. And he told the story of how before his accident, he was going to head to the Naval Academy on a foot as a football recruit. He said he was a top football recruit for the Navy, which is a thing. Easily verifiable. It is verifiable. And it turns out, though, when he had his accident, separate from all of this, there was a lawsuit involved, separate from all of these things, and he had to give a sworn deposition. And in that deposition, one of the lawyers says, basically, were you like, did you know the Navy, Naval Reserve did not want you? Yes. Did that happen before your accident? Yes. Basically, the Navy said, you're not, we don't want you at our school not as a football recruit and not at all. And that's besides the accident. And yet he was passing it off as the accident derailed my life, but I'm going to make it anyway. I mean, I'll give it to him. That's a really clever way to spin that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, he, uh, here's another thing that he's lying about. He said in his accident, the guy who was driving the car, who was his best friend at the time, basically ran away from the scene and left him to die. But he made it because he's a survivor. Turns out, and this is according to like 2014 news reports from that after that accident, like the local news asked his parents because he had survived it. They're like talking to his parents. His friends 
I'm sorry, his father said of the friend, he wasn't scared. He didn't run from the fire. He pulled Madison from the car because he was unconscious. Like the friend was the hero. Regardless of how the accident happened, the friend <laughs> saved him. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. And by the way, the letter also said he, Madison stole a commemorative sword from one of our dorms and like buried it. Buried it? Is he, he a just, pirate? Yes. <laughs> and so they basically said at the end of the letter, you know, we remember what he did to our community. We remember how he took advantage of our community's trust. We remember how deeply he hurt our community. We remember that he was a wolf in sheep's clothing who made our small, close-knit community his personal playground of debauchery. We will not sit idly by while he is celebrated as the new face of the conservative movement, millennials, and Christians. So on November 3rd, reject Madison Cawthorn at the ballot box. And I just want to point out, like, for a bunch of very conservative Christians whose entire thing is that they end up working for Republicans in public office, Mm -hmm. for them to say, don't vote for the conservative Christian candidate in a close race for Congress, like, holy crap, that's a big deal. And that takes some guts. Good for them. Um, It's now I should say right now, the Cook Political Report, which is a nonpartisan group that kind of rates all these house races. They have this race as leaning Republican. Yeah. It's a red district. If the election just happened, nothing else was involved. It would probably go his way. Yeah, but there's a uh, 538 has 73 to 27 that he wins. Yeah, I like, only had 538 up for like two weeks. It's <laughs> not helping I mean, me. What am I doing? The odds are pretty good he wins this because it's a red Republican district. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of his to lose. But there's a lot, there's a push to get this guy's story out there. Because again, when you're 25, the thing about that in politics is you don't have a legislative paper trail. All you have are the people who know you vouching for you. Mm -hmm. And the ones who know him who are not genetically related to him are like, this guy is horrible. Stay away. I mean, God, we see that shit all the time too. Like Ted Cruz had this come out against him. Like all of these fucking GOP guys are monsters and idiots. And the GOP just laps him the fuck up. It's so disgusting. Let's talk about Jerry Falwell since you mentioned disgusting. (laughs) Jerry Falwell is back in the news for the dumbest possible reason. He is suing Liberty University for, uh, here's his claim, they're damaging my reputation. (laughs) Liberty. Flawless reputation. Liberty should be suing Jerry Falwell for that reason. Like, what is he doing? I should say, like, I know there's a lot of people complaining about the Lincoln Project, um, the like former Republicans who are now very anti-Trump. But the he all uh, Jerry Falwell said in a statement, like he thinks the Lincoln Project people are part of the people defaming him. Like he name checked them in his statement and the Lincoln project basically responded. And I'm paraphrasing here. Like we're not the ones that took a picture of our bellies hanging out and our pants unbuttoned. We're not the ones with the pool boy. Like Wait, don't blame us for your action. The Lincoln project into his lawsuit at his university. Like, is he just like, is it just a listing of grievances? 
I pretty much what he said is while the lawsuit only lists Liberty University as a defendant, he accuses the Lincoln Project and one of their advisors for backing the pool boy. <laughs> and they say the Lincoln Project has had nothing to do with the public finally learning about the true character of the oh Falwell family. God. It's so funny. Honestly, I, I just want to. Going after a, <laughs> an entity for reporting on what you did is a hell of an offense. Yeah. And by the way, I should say, like, I followed what Liberty said about him, like, during the saga and after they got rid of him, after he resigned. They've been relatively quiet other than to say he's gone and we've chosen a new leader and we're moving forward. Yeah, they don't want to, like, get tangled up in this. They want to move on. And I should say... Jerry Falwell, one of the things that came out after he resigned is he's getting a $10 million plus severance package from Liberty. And part of their deal is, I'm pretty sure that part of the deal is, we're not bad-mouthing each other. Let's just go our separate ways here. Like a nice, happy divorce. Like, we won't publicly <laughs> trash each we other. We still just love our kids very much. Yeah. That just, will never change. To, Let's talk about Jerry Falwell's reputation. This is the guy who posted a picture of himself with his fly unzipped and belly out with his arm around a woman who wasn't his wife. He posted that. He's the one who liked, like Facebook liked photos of younger women in not so Christian poses. He's the one who posted a racist tweet after the governor of Virginia wanted a face man, a face mask mandate. He's the one who called a parent a dummy for yeah. asking why is Liberty open during the COVID crisis. That's a personal favorite. Who's the one who last month fell down the stairs because he apparently got hammered and his wife had to call 911. And he's the one angry that Liberty is making him look bad. Like, again, what are you doing? You're yeah. the problem here. Yeah, I think man. someone put it, uh, dude, when you're the one at the center of all these scandals, it's like you're the bad roommate here. <laughs> How... Do you remember his father, Falwell, the guy who blamed 9-11 on feminists and gay people in the ACLU? Do you know how much crap you would have to do to be known as the most embarrassing Falwell? And he has so far surpassed that. It's it's truly impressive. Oh, my God. I cannot believe this. <laughs> this guy's such an asshole. He really is. Oh, man. Um, here's a... While we're on the subject of politics, we'll keep going with this. So I subscribe to weird YouTube channels. I don't know why. Sometimes I hear about them and I'm like, this seems like it'll be fodder for something. Okay. And so I get this email a while back from the American Center for Law and Justice, the ACLJ, the con like the conservative Christian response to the ACLU. And it's headed up by Jay Sekulow, who most people would know as Donald Trump's personal attorney during the impeachment saga. So this is like a right-wing Christian legal group. And so they said, hey, we're putting out videos for kids. And I'm like, I'm subscribing. Okay. What the hell are you doing? So they've, they've been putting out videos like every week for the past couple of weeks. And some of them are like, let's talk about how awesome George Washington is. And it's like, all right, there's okay. no nuance here. It's just celebrating a guy without talking about Just everyone can blood. watch Hamilton. It'll be much more entertaining and you'll still oh, really like Washington. No, this was the whitewash history of George Washington that doesn't mention anything about, I don't know, slavery, anything, whatever. It's whatever. I'm not surprised by that, but I also didn't think twice about it. But this week, and of course it's this week, they put out a video using their Sesame Street-like characters 
um, basically talking about how awesome the electoral college is. <laughs> right. And they're accusing the left of indoctrinating the youth. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't just, know what the electoral college was till high school. <laughs> and just to be clear, like the Democrats lost the presidency in 2000 with Al Gore because of the electoral college, despite winning the popular vote. Uh-huh. Obviously, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, lost because of the electoral college. Republicans and the only way Trump is going to win this time around, because he's almost certainly going to lose the popular vote is through the Electoral College. That's why we care about swing states. And so, like, Republicans love the Electoral College because they know most people in the country don't want them in office. The only reason they're winning the presidency is because of the Electoral College. And so this video is all about someone asking, like, well, how come we don't just count up who gets more votes? And do you know the response? Good question, from the, yes, good, good question. And here's the response from the main character. I'm quoting this directly. Have you seen how big California is? That's a lot of people and a lot of votes. <laughs> and then they go on. Wait, that's it? That, well, there's, there's more, but that really was their response. Like, why can't we just count up all the votes? And they're like, well, have you seen how big California is? There's more people there. If they all vote, like, our votes would never matter. Yeah, that's how it works in a democracy. Well, that's also how, like, fucking population density works, dude. Yeah. And also, not to mention that the Electoral College is not even that great for Republic. I mean, obviously, it puts them in office, but, like, California is not a monolith. Like, no, outside no, no, no. of the major cities, it's basically the rural South. Like, I mean, I- if... If Texas flips to Democrats, which I know is a long shot, but it could happen. But like, if that happens, you will see Republicans running the hell away from the Electoral College, too. But I mean, one of the other points they made in the video is that uh, I'm quoting here again, that without the Electoral College, quote, states like California and Texas would obliterate the votes of states like Maine and Rhode Island. And politicians might only focus on those big states and their needs and ignore the smaller states just because they have less votes. Like right now when everybody's like jerking off in Pennsylvania, which is yes, yes, better, exactly. I guess. Right. Like. I, we live in Illinois. Do you know the last time any presidential candidate wasted their time here? Never. Never. And somehow I have to make a decision about who to vote for without getting to shake hands with the candidate. Like, I don't know how the people of Iowa could handle this lack of attention everyone gives us. I'm also really confused by, like... I mean, obviously, my understanding of politics is not strong. But when people are like, oh, Hillary lost Wisconsin because she never went there. Like... What's it like to live in a state where, like, if the candidate does not come visit you personally in your hometown, you're like, yeah. you don't get my vote. That's a, yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, we've somehow we managed, know. we've managed to make it work without getting to know these people personally because uh-huh. it's not hard. These are not hard decisions ever. <laughs> but anyway, like the idea that they're going to ignore smaller states, like, first of all, they, like you said, they only pay attention to swing states right now. Biden isn't visiting Texas, like California. The only reason anyone's visiting Texas is because it's not in the bag for Republicans this time around. Right. But anyway, like, guess what? If it's a close race, you bet your ass they would be going to smaller states because all votes matter. Yeah. Like, especially if it's a big city in a small state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would go there. You want to run up the score wherever you can. Yeah. That would be better for those small states. My thing about getting rid of the Electoral College is largely, well, it's I want to put people in office who, you know, 
people actually wanted to vote for. But the other thing is if I never have to hear a white dude say, well, I live in Illinois, so we're going to go blue. So it doesn't matter who I vote for. I will be a happy woman. I hate that garbage. It's stupid. Right. It's very it matters annoying. down ballot. And it matters because why do you think you're saying it doesn't matter? It happens because other people vote and right. their vote. Right. Matters. Exactly. What are you talking about? You forgot the cause and effect of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to skip over to Borat. I have to talk about Borat. Um, did you watch the movie yet? The new one? So, um, I have a real problem with secondhand embarrassment. Uh, so I have oh. not seen either of the Borat movies. I don't. It's just I can't. That's like my worst emotion is secondhand embarrassment. So <laughs> I'm going to pass on that whole All situation. Right. I, I know the that whole... my wife's thing and I know Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. I think I've gotten everything I need to get out of Borat. I I enjoyed myself during that movie, both of them. Listen, I a lot of people really like it. A lot of people say it's the funniest shit they've ever seen. <laughs> it just makes me want to crawl in a hole and die. That's okay. There is a scene in the movie where the actress who plays Borat's daughter... Um, the scene is basically she is going to get plastic surgery, get breast implants and stuff. But at one, but the question is, because it's Borat, they trick people into these unsuspecting things. So one of the scenes in the movie is she literally eats like the frosting baby off of a cake, okay. um, like a cupcake with a little baby on top, like for a for a baby, a baby shower. shower. Yeah, and she is eats it that a sugar and, baby? Or yeah, is it I think plastic? yes. Okay. I think it's a sugar one. But anyway, the next scene is Borat taking his daughter to a uh, Christian anti-abortion crisis pregnancy center and saying, uh, this is my daughter. She has a baby inside her. We need you to get it out. And that's that's the joke. Anyway, there is a scene where she's going to get plastic surgery for her wedding for I'm sorry, just because she wants to be more American and less like whatever you want to call it. But. (laughs) They give her to like kind of a babysitter who watches over her who and she's like she's supposed to be 15. And so she's saying to this older black woman, like, I'm going to go get this surgery because um, it will make me beautiful. And then whatever, like it'll impress my future husband. Um, The scene is fine. Actually, the the older black woman who's kind of her babysitter is awesome. Like she yeah. comes off really well because she's saying things like, you know, you look beautiful as you are. You don't need the surgery. Like, and they, <laughs> the daughter says things like, I'm 15 and I'm going to marry this very old man. And this woman is like, oh, dear God, I need to save you. It's not my position, but I yeah. can give you advice. Like, you don't have to do this. It's okay. She comes off looking well. She's not one of the Rudy Giuliani types that comes off looking horrible. That's the but, funny thing about, like, the outrage against Rudy Giuliani is, like, just because Borat tricks you into something does not mean you have to be, like, a pervy asshole. <laughs> like, there are ways to get in these weird, like, Borat-y situations and come off as, like, not a fucking creep. Like, not yeah, even come off. If you're, off not, in, if you're not, not inherently... Criminal. If you're not inherently awful, the movie doesn't do anything to you. The whole point is some people are very much inherently awful, and this exposes it. But anyway, in this case, the question is, where did they find this older black woman who is the babysitter? Because you never know how they find these actors who really are unsuspecting. Um, And what they end... The truth is, they went to a church... and basically, according to articles that have come out since the movie came out, they basically told the head of this mostly black church, we need kind of, we're looking for like a sassy black grandmother in her 70s for a documentary. 
and this pastor said, oh, I got a, I got a few of them who might work for the your, what your needs are. Chocolate block full of sassy grandma yeah. toys. And they ended up finding this woman. Her name is Janice. And they basically told her, we're filming a documentary about young women who get married off to older men. And we kind of want to have people who are working with them, following them around, things like that. She was paid about $3,600 for this film. They okay. they filmed a couple of scenes over a couple of days, um, which it's not a lot for an actress in a movie, but I don't know what the standard rate would be for this sort of documentary. But anyway, after her encounter with Borat's daughter, the actress in the film, who she legit thought was a young 15-year-old girl who was going to get married off to another woman, this happened like a year ago, she said she's been basically, she left that scene. She left the encounters with the daughter thinking, oh no, this poor girl's going to get married off to this older man. Aww. And I feel bad for her, but I can't do anything because, I mean, what am I going to do here? She's been praying for her for like a year. Oh no. <laughs> I know. She's so Please. sweet. She said, we were concerned. We were up there praying for her and asking God to help her. And we were doing what we thought was the Christian thing to do. It wasn't until the trailer for the movie came out two weeks ago that one of her relatives, younger uh, sees the rel- sees the trailer and is like, oh my god! Sends it to her like aunt, and she's like, is this you? <laughs> and they found out what was actually going on. I should say, they feel betrayed. Does feel a Janice, little betrayed. I'm sorry, she, Janice and the pastor are like, look, we get the joke. We know what you're doing. We don't have hard feelings about that, but we just want to tell the world that. This woman is such a good woman. She's been praying for what she thought was a girl being sold off like this. And the Uh pastor set up a GoFundMe page on her behalf, just saying like, look, if you're not going to pay her for like acting in this film, because you didn't pay her for acting in this film. No, she got paid $3,600 for her. They set up a a GoFundMe. The GoFundMe has raised about $150,000 for Janice. Uh, who just lost her job, by the way, unrelated to the movie. Uh, I know, she's so sweet. But I, that's kind of, I guess, a happy ending to that story. Maybe, kind of. Um, but it just shows you like what goes into these movies sometimes. Um, the Washington Post, a different story. Washington Post had a story this week that's very disturbing. And it kind of says that in the time of Trump, one type of church that is growing right now and is there's only a handful of them in the country, but it's it's the patriotic church or whatever patriotic church. Yeah. The Patriot churches. And basically the whole gist of it is, and this isn't their intention, but this is my takeaway. You would go there and honestly, you would not know if you are there to worship Jesus or the founding fathers. Like it's Christian nationalism taken to a whole new level. Politics and religion are kind of one and the same there. I'm kind of surprised it took this long to be honest. Yeah, there's been there have been types of them, but they but they still fall under the banner of like non-denominational evangelical Southern Baptist churches, uh-huh. various types of those where it just so happens that the pastor gets political. Like Robert Jeffress is a prime example, Southern Baptist preacher, now like a Fox News spokesperson for Trump unofficially. But yeah, his church, you would never know if you're learning politics or religion. He interweaves them. But now these churches are like, we're not we're not hiding who we are. We're just, we're all about Americana and all that. Um, and in their version, you know, their American dream, their utopia here has nothing to really do with heaven or Jesus. It's about like, let's get immigrants out of here. Yeah. Let's make sure it's just Jesus did. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
one of the people they quoted in the article was Greg Locke, the Tennessee pastor who has burned a book by Andrew Seidel that said, we are not a Christian nation. He has invited Roger Stone to his church. He invited Charlie Kirk to his church, like not preachers to guest preach one Sunday, but like Republican politicians and their advocates. Seidel is kind of a buddy of yours. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, do, do you think he has any idea how much money he makes on people buying his books with the express intention? To because I would, I would read a report about that. I would love to see that breakdown. I don't think he would know. Um, I, I, I don't think they ever separated out. And I don't think anyone's buying. I haven't seen anyone buying the book to hate it. I think Pastor Locke got a copy of it, like as a courtesy, funny gift from Andrew. And his response was, I got this book. I'm going to burn it because that's how you handle books you don't like i don't know um but yeah those churches are popping up so that should make everyone feel better this story uh (laughs) i know i'm just on a roll here uh there was a candidate in west virginia he's running for the state house uh his name is Derek evans he's the republican candidate this is one of those seats where from the district the top two people in the democratic primary and the top two from the republican primary are on the ballot and the top two vote getters of the four get elected to the state house. He's one of the Republicans that made it past the primary. Um, He probably looks like in good position to get one of those seats. Okay. Earlier this summer, before the primary, he was mostly famous because he posted a rant on Facebook about a book that was used in public schools to teach sex ed. The book is called It's Perfectly Normal. And it teaches kids the three R's, rights, respect, and responsibility. And it's a pretty standard sex ed kind of curriculum book. It talks about masturbation. It talks about uh, condoms. It's a pretty, like, comprehensive sex ed book. You can't talk about some of this stuff without showing kids what you are talking about. But it's obviously not graphic. It's just anatomical. Yeah. But anyway... One thing that this guy, Derek Evans, posted is that this is like some sort of sinful book. It goes into great deal about homosexuality. It normalizes, his word was, boy on boy and girl on girl exploring. Oh, exploring. Accurate, yeah. But anyway, he basically said they didn't demonize same-sex people. They talked about sex like it's a normal thing. And they didn't treat it as this thing that's only for straight cis people in marriage. Right. So anyway, plenty of people made fun of him for that. And then he got past the Republican primary and now he's on the ballot. And along the way, he also got an endorsement from the West Virginia Troopers Association. So like a police group is endorsing him as well. And now guess what we're learning about the guy? Tell me. He has a restraining order against him. Guess why? Tell me. Because, according to a county magistrate last year, he engaged in stalking and making repeated credible threats of bodily injury to a woman who worked at the state's only abortion clinic. Oh, fuck. That's dark. Like, not just going there to protest, because he's an anti-abortion activist and that's what they do. Uh Like, going in there, making credible threats, like walking in with a camera, telling people, I know your name, I know how many kids you have, and I'm basically going to find you. That sort of thing. What is the matter with these people? Oh, my God. I know. Yeah. Uh, It's insane. And by the way, I should say, not that I have a lot of love for this Troopers Association, when the (laughs) journalists are like, did you know this guy you endorsed has broken the law? 
And by the way, not only does this guy have a restraining order, he violated the restraining order. So they had to extend the restraining order. So right now, the restraining so this guy is order, like a legit dangerous guy. Yeah. And it, the restraining order does not expire until December 31st of this year, which means he could be elected to public office while in the middle of that restraining order. Um, and the West Virginia Troopers Association said, uh, we'll reconsider our endorsement at our next meeting, uh-huh. whenever that is, no specific date. The election's on Tuesday. Like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, Everything's so bad. Yeah, they didn't even bother looking into the guy. They're just like, what? Conservative Republican? He's our guy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Everything's terrible. Everything is terrible for at least a few more days. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. I read uh, today, this is not something I cared to discuss, but I was reading today a oral history of the 2016 election day thing, and it had a lot of uh, reporters who are following different people. That was and a very, very, very bad day. That's exactly what some of them, you know what I forgot about when I was reading that article that I now, I haven't thought about in four years and I remember now, Donald Trump at his hotel had a cake that looked like Donald Trump except it looked nothing like Donald Trump. It was like the, the remember that Catholic woman, the painting yes, that she yes, made and it yes. looks like a monkey or something? <laughs> There was a cake that was supposed to be a Donald Trump bust of his face, but oh. it looked horrific. And everyone's like, holy crap, that's just a sign of things to come tonight. Oh, how wrong we were. But I was like, oh, my God, I forgot about the cake. Um, okay, one couple last ones for you. One uh-huh. frivolous, one serious. Here's okay. the frivolous one. In... <laughs> There is a pastor named Jim Garlow, who is a a conservative Christian pastor. He no longer works at the church that he's been at for many years. But the reason I've heard about this guy, Jim Garlow, is in 2016, before the election, he wrote a long list, like a list of why he's voting for Donald Trump in in a personal capacity, which is fine and legal. But he's like, here's my justification for it. And among the reasons that I remember reading and making fun of this guy for One, we have never seen any one major party candidate so constantly scandalous, so evil consumed as Hillary. That was one reason. What? He also said Trump is slowly being surrounded by increasingly good persons. Uh Uh-huh. And he also said Trump will address massive government spending, which, oh my God. Did I miss that? Did I miss that one? I don't think he did that. The list did not age well. So, you know, you would think in 2020, he's going to address some of the misses from his list. No, no, he said he's still still for Trump. And he put out a video this week saying, you know, uh, exactly what you'd expect from a conservative Christian pastor. He's saying this is a battle of good versus evil. It's not about right versus left. It's about right versus wrong. But my favorite part of his little speech um, was basic. Here's what he's trying to say. Trump is anti-abortion and he's appointing judges who are anti-abortion. And for that reason alone, people should vote for Trump. Mm -hmm. He didn't just say that. Here's what he said. 60 million babies have been killed in the womb. If they could be polled, they would be voting for Donald Trump and Republican candidates because they would like to have the privilege to live. All fetuses. Stupid. That's so fucking dumb. I can't even believe it. 
Sometimes I was kind of, I'm just shocked at how dumb people are. Shocked. Why, why was it so laughable? One is the idea that all 60 million fetuses are magically going to become Republican. Mm-hmm, That's new. Mm-hmm, Two mm-hmm. is the notion that Republicans would ever allow 60 million anythings to vote if they yeah. could help it. That's not going to happen. 60 million young people? Come on. Come on. Um. And of course, he just he says this like it's fact. It's not. I bet if you ask those fetuses who they would support, they would support the one that gives them. No, he didn't say that. He's just like, I know it. I know all 60 million. He called them babies because he doesn't know how to define words. He said he just knows they are all 100 percent for Trump. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. I have no problem. I have no notes. If I could point out one thing, one thing to keep an eye out for. On Tuesday, um, famously, white evangelical Christians, we've said this before, like 80 to 81 percent of them, of those who voted, 80 to 81 percent of white evangelicals voted for Trump. I am of the many things I want to know on Tuesday is what is that exit poll going to look like for that particular group? Because if it again, if it we've talked about this, if it shrinks by like a couple percentage points, that's horrible for Trump. But it also, I mean, the fact that it it's still going to be roughly the same tells you a lot about that group. But right. also, I'm very curious if if he can peel away. What if he only gets 75% of those votes? Mm-hmm. That would suggest that even white evangelical Christians, after four years of quote unquote winning, like we're like, nope, can't do it. Can't support this guy what? anymore. No, yeah, and- good news. And the huge problem with that is Trump has done nothing to appeal to anybody other than his base. So every yeah, and even person, if his base is leaving him. Yeah, and, and every person who leaves his base is not going to be replaced by anybody else because he hasn't gone after anybody else except for like black people when he was like, I don't know, your husbands will, I'll get your husband's jobs or whatever garbage he said. Right. Oh, my God, wow. he's so awful. Oh my God, he's the worst. All right, last story for you. And this <laughs> this could be a sign of things to come for us over here. But if you're not familiar, we got to talk about uh, Poland. Because this the, Poland is a place that has a right-wing government. Um, they just won a re-election bid from their Law and Justice Party. And mm-hmm. it's basically right now they have their version of the Supreme Court has also uh, appointed a bunch of right-wing justices to their version of the Supreme Court. So everything I'm about to tell you is technically legal in the sense that they have power. It's not like they just randomly did this, but this is what happens when you have a right-wing government that puts right-wing justices in a position of power. What they did in Poland, um, abortion in general is almost entirely illegal. The only time you're allowed to get an abortion is in cases of rape or if the woman's life is in danger. So abortion is already very restricted. And this week, uh, their version of the Supreme Court said, we're also making abortion illegal in the case of fetal abnormalities. So basically, the only reasons women could have had a legit abortion has now been taken off the floor. There's no, like, you just can't get one now unless you're doing it illegally or unless you have the resources to do what many women have had to do and go to another country to do it. And in response to that, first of all, again, this is kind of the Amy Coney Barrett version in their country, which is like, this is what happens when you have conservatives everywhere. Right. But in the past week, 
and I don't know what this will accomplish, but it's worth pointing out. There have been protests by mostly women, but a lot of allies too, every night, like just marching in the streets, calling this out and just saying how awful this is and how much they hate it. Um, I should say 11 of the 12 justices on their court um, were appointed by the right wing party. Like not just one or two, like 11 of the 12 came from the right wing party. And they're basically making it so that women will have to die in this situation. And so, um, I mean, this is what we're up against. This is what we could prevent on our side on Tuesday. So we'll see. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Everything. I know I'm running through a lot here. There's a lot happening. Yes. It's, I think I'm good for now. Okay. Are you I've gotten uh, it out of my system? Are you doing any kind of self care for the next four days or five days uh, or whatever? No, I start now. I haven't done it for four years. So <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just, <laughs> but I'm, I'll be glued to the TV. There's a lot of stuff I'm keeping track of. There's a lot of atheists running for office and I want to keep track of how they're doing. Yeah, what's uh, your election day gonna look like? Um me by my computer hunched in the fetal position for like twelve hours straight. Sounds cool and fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And are you doing anything after having canvassed and precincted? No, um, I am just, I'm practicing self-care to the point of self-indulgence, I would say. But I'm just being very kind to myself. I have watched two and a half seasons of a show called Unreal that I'm obsessed with. It's like 48 hours, stayed up till 3 a.m. watching that. And just telling myself, no, Jessica, this is what self-care looks like. So I'm doing good, I'd say. I'd say I'm doing great, I think. Good. Um, that matters. I'm very, very tired. And I'm <laughs> very, very stressed. And I cannot focus on shit. And I just need this thing to be over. Yeah, we're going to have a very interesting conversation next week, depending on all stuff that happens. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Well, all right. Um, where Have can a I good. Find you no, we you have can to find do... me at friendlyatheist.com or at Hem and Met on Twitter. Go on YouTube too. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Blueberry, B L U E B U R I E. Sorry, I don't think I've been especially funny or charismatic this week. I'm just really, 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 really stressed. <laughs> so apologies. It's for not my like the next several decades are riding on what happens this week. Fuck you, Hemant. Yep. Okay. Email us a friend. Oh, I don't feel like looking up a review. Review us on iTunes. I'll read it next week. Send Maybe. good vibes. Go do stuff. Whatever yeah. you can talk to people this talk weekend. Talk to your family. Make sure they all have a plan to vote. Early voting is still happening for a few more days. Oh, I don't know. Do your best, guys. Let's do this thing. <laughs> plan we'll this plan. In some capacity next week. Uh, all right. Bye. Bye.